Yeah. This be a life, no gimmick. going on ladies and gentlemen and welcome back to the triple s podcast back again with yet another episode uh and today's episode is a special episode as you guys have seen if you follow me on instagram and basically what today's episode is going to be is a ufc specific episode where i'm going to go through every women's division followed by every man's division and basically what i'll do is you know i'll tell you who the champion is I'll list out some of the top, you know, five contenders that I think can compete for a championship in 2021, and then I'll give you the verdict for every division, uh, and new or and still. If it's and new, I'll tell you who. I might give one or two options, maybe how it'll get done, of who will hold that belt for that division at the end of 2021. So that's kind of the plan for this episode. And like I said, you know, ladies first, so we're going to start off in the women's strawweight division, uh, the lightest of the divisions on either side, men and women's, and strawweight is 115 pounds. So the current champion of the women's strawweight division is Zhang Wei Li. Uh, she is an absolute beast of a fighter. Her last fight was against Joanna and Jacek, and uh, if you guys haven't seen that fight, I highly suggest watching it. Widely considered to be probably the best fight of 2020. Um, it was an absolute war, went the full five rounds, both women looked absolutely battered at the end of the fight, and Zhang Wei Li won by, I believe it was a split decision, so that was a great fight. Uh, so like you heard, I just mentioned her last fight was against Joanna and Jacek, so some of the top contenders in strawweight, uh, when I looked at the list, there aren't too many uh, that are serious contenders in my opinion. The, the main ones that I saw were, as I just mentioned, Joanna and Jacek and Thug Rose Nami Yunus. So those two are uh, top of the list in terms of strawweight contenders. Now, for my verdict, I'm going to be going with Anne New. And it's not going to be uh, Joanna and Jacek. It's going to be Thug Rose Nama Yunus. And the main reason why is that in the past, Thug Rose has fought Joanna and Jacek twice. She's beat her both times. Once was by knockout and once was by decision. So I think it would be somewhat fair to say, you know, although fighters do evolve, everyone gets better. Uh, Thug Rose has certainly gotten better, and I'm sure Joanna has also gotten better. But I like Thug Rose as a fighter more than I like Joanna and Jacek. We have yet to see Thug Rose fight Zhang Wei Li, uh, but we are supposed to. It's it's planned for UFC 261, which is going to be in April of 2021, that those two will be fighting. And that's not the only huge women's fight that's supposed to be on that card. And we'll get to that in a second. But we have seen Thug Rose beat Joanna twice now we have not seen thug rose beat or fight zhang wei li and the the fact that zhang wei li's fight against joanna was so close going down to a split decision i think that thug rose having that edge over joanna means she could have that similar edge over zhang wei li she has a advantage in terms of reach by i believe two inches over zhang wei li and she's also an inch taller in her last fight uh, thug rose she used her reach exceptionally well uh, using kicks and jabs to keep her opponent at bay. I'm just going to search it up real quick to see who her last fight was against. But uh, I do recall watching it, and I do recall her using her range exceptionally well. And the way that Joanna and Zhang Wei Li were fighting was balls to the wall the entire time. I mean, that's kind of a weird analogy considering it's women's, but you get the you get the picture. And I think that if Zhang Wei Li goes up against Joanna and has to face a fighter that has a reach advantage like that, and is so good at keeping distance, I think that Thug Rose may have what it takes to become the and new women's strawweight champion 
uh, come the end of 2021. And I did check uh, the last fight that uh, Thug Rose had was against Jessica Andrade, who, and this is another, you know, feather in the cap of Rose Nami Yunus. Her last fight was a split decision win over Jessica Andrade. Uh, she outstruck her. Like I said, she used her range extremely well. It was a close fight, and Andrade is a very good fighter. But the feather in the cap is that her previous fight was also against Jessica Andrade, and she was knocked out by a slam. It was a brutal, brutal slam in the second round of their fight, uh, and she lost. She was manhandled. She was taken down twice in that fight, and she went back to the drawing board. This was in May 2019, and they fought again in July of 2020, so a little over a year. Uh, Thug Rose obviously made huge strides, had a better game plan in place, and she just looked razor, razor focused in that last fight. So I think that she has a lot going for her. She's trending in the right direction. And I think that she has what it takes to beat Zhang Wei Li in April at UFC 261. All right, now we're going to move on up to the next division in the women's side of UFC, which is flyweight. And that is 125 pounds. So the current champion of the women's flyweight division of the UFC is Valentina the Bullet Shevchenko. Uh, she is a straight-up assassin. I've watched her fight twice now, I believe, and uh, she is, you know, she's she's fast, she's violent, she throws crazy, crazy kicks, and she's exciting to watch. So she's the current champion. Now, when you go down and you look at the top contenders, uh, you see a couple familiar names. For one, I just spoke about Jessica Andrade uh, and her fights with Rose Namajunas. So after that second fight to Rose where she lost she actually moved up to flyweight. So Jessica Andrade was a big strawweight to begin with. Uh, so she decided to move on up uh, to closer to her natural weight, you know, not as brutal of a weight cut. It's 10 less pounds, which is huge. And it allows her to have more of that power that she had uh, when she, you know, wrestled Thug Rose and slammed her to the ground and knock her out. So you have Jessica Andrade as one of the top contenders. You also have Lauren Murphy, uh, Caitlin Chukagian, Joanne Calderwood, and Jennifer Maya, which when you look at it, that's a pretty stacked um, set of contenders. Jessica Andrade, as I've talked about, she is a beast. Uh, Lauren Murphy, who I watched her last fight, uh, she's a veteran of the game, very, very talented as well. Caitlin Chukagian uh, lost two fights ago, but then came back and got a big win, So, and she looked very good in that fight as well. Kind of reminded me of how Thug Rose you know, went after a loss made adjustments, and came back stronger. You can tell a lot about a fighter when they lose a fight and come back stronger versus some fighters, say like uh, Ronda Rousey, who they lose a fight and then they start to crumble. I, I really, I like to keep track of those fighters that take a loss and then come back stronger. Uh, another one that just popped in my mind is Kelvin Gastelum, who was on a losing streak, came back, made his adjustments, and he's looked good ever since. So, Caitlin Chukagian, another one to watch, and Joanne Calderwood is another one who I'm a big fan of. Watched her only one time, but when I did watch her, she looked very strong. Um, they did the interviews with her, and they just kind of showed her face, and I was like, oh, this woman looks really, really small. And then uh, when you actually see her in the octagon, she's kind of got like a baby face, so it's kind of deceiving. And she's a, um, a larger woman, and she's able to do some damage in the cage. So now for the verdict. In the women's flyweight division, I'm going to be saying and still. Uh, I know I just said that the division is stacked with talent, but when I look at Valentina Shevchenko, she is an absolute beast. Now, I did mention, you know, there's some bigger women like Joanne Calderwood. Uh, Jessica Andrade can also get up there as well in terms of, you know, size, speed, power. But 
we have to remember Valentina Shevchenko also is a former bantamweight, which is 135, the division up from where she currently is, uh, 125 at flyweight. So she's not a small woman either. And since she's moved down from bantamweight to flyweight, she's undefeated. Uh, she lost twice to Amanda Nunes in bantamweight. Uh, and then after that, I think she just decided, you know what, I'm not probably not going to beat this woman. So I'm going to move down and dominate the flyweights where I don't think Amanda can get down to. So I think Shevchenko is just too strong at the flyweight division. Uh, she's barely been in trouble only a couple times in her uh, flyweight career. So I think that that's going to hold true. She has a title defense. Uh, I said it earlier that there's another big card or sorry, another big fight on the UFC 261 card in April for women's fights. And it's going to be Jessica Andrade versus Valentina Shevchenko. Um, Jessica Andrade, you know, moved up. This will be her crack at a title at flyweight. So it's going to be exciting to see that card with two huge, you know, women's championship fights. But, you know, nonetheless, as I said, I believe it'll be Anne Still. I think she gets it done in April. And then to make things interesting, I'm going to say that she's going to get another title defense shot later in the year. Let's say November, if there's a card in November, she'll fight Lauren Murphy, who has been begging for a title shot and honestly probably deserves one. You know, she's a veteran of the game. She keeps getting better. She's got some nice wins under her belt. So I'm going to say Valentina Shevchenko and still at the end of 2021 with two strong title defenses in the year 2021. All right. So now we're going to be getting into the Amanda Nunes territory of this episode. So for those who don't know, Amanda Nunes is currently a two-division uh, world champion. She is the champion of bantamweight for women's, which is 135 pounds. And she's also the champion of featherweight for women's, which is 145 pounds. Now, Amanda Nunes is for sure the best female fighter of all time. Uh, if not, you know, she's she could honestly be in the conversation for the greatest combat sports athlete of all time. Very few people have ever held two world championships in UFC, so that is a crazy feat in and of itself. So she, for her to have two, and for her to have the two heaviest divisions, that would be like if a man had the light heavyweight and heavyweight uh, champions of the world. That is spectacular. And she's had them for some time now, so it's not like she just got them and you know she hasn't defended them. She's had them for a little while now. So we're going to start off with Bantamweight, you know, the 135 division. Then we're going to talk about Featherweight. But the champion of both divisions is Amanda Nunes. So for contenders in the Bantamweight division, there's a few good ones. You have Holly Holm, who looked good in her last fight. It was against Irene Aldana. It was a main event, so it was five rounds. And one thing that stood out to me about Holly Holm in that fight is that she has a gas tank. Uh, she was pushing the pace for the entire five rounds of the fight. She never looked tired at any point. Uh, and the announcers were saying like she has very good conditioning. And it was definitely on display in that fight. So she is a strong contender. You also have Jerain Durandamy, the Iron Lady. Uh, I've become a, a little bit of a fan of her watching her fight one time. And uh, she... You know, she lives up to the name, the Iron Lady, that's for sure. She just looks like a no-nonsense kind of lady, uh, and she throws down in the octagon. So she's a very good contender as well. Then you also have Aspen Ladd, who is a strong contender, and uh, Yana Kunitskaya, who fought recently. And she had a huge win over Caitlin Vieira, who I believe was actually favored to win the fight. So uh, Yana Kunitskaya, she looked very strong. She is, I'm not sure if they're married or just dating, but she is Tiago Santos's uh, you know, wife or girlfriend, or I'll just say partner. 
Uh, and he was in her corner. I believe he's one of her main coaches. So that was kind of cool to see. Uh, for those who don't know, Tiago Santos is a UFC light heavyweight contender. So we'll be talking about him when we get to the light heavyweight division. But so, you know, I've listed the contenders. We know that Amanda Nunes is the champion. And I'm going to be going with for my verdict and still for this division, for the Bantamweight division for women's. Um, you know, I think that so as of right now, Amanda Nunes is slated to, to defend the featherweight title uh, this weekend against uh, Megan Anderson. So that will probably, you know, tie her up for the uh, Bantamweight division for at least, you know, four or five, maybe six months after this featherweight fight. But I believe at that time, uh, maybe they give Holly Holm one more fight to, you know, stay active. And then she will fight Amanda Nunes for the Bantamweight championship later in the year. But I just think that, you know, out of all the people in the Bantamweight contender list, you know, she's already beat talking about Amanda Nunes here, she's already beat Holly Holm, she's already beat Jorane Durandami, and Aspen Ladd and Yana Kunitskaya, you know, they are on the list, but Amanda Nunes is a, is a different animal, she's on a different level, she she does things in the octagon to women that, you know, we've never seen any other women's fighter do, she is has crazy hands, she's very good at jiu-jitsu, she's a black belt, so I think that for, for any woman to beat Amanda Nunes, it's going to have to be some new up-and-coming thing that we haven't seen before. You know, Holly Holm is, is a very strong fighter. Don't get me wrong. And she's probably improved since she fought and got knocked out by Amanda Nunes. But Amanda Nunes is... You, you got to remember, she's training as well. And she's getting better as well. She's hungry. She just had a child. So I'm sure she's going to be you know hungry to get out there and defend her belt. And uh, I think she will. She'll end the year, in my opinion, as the bandweight champion after beating... Uh, Holly Holm in, let's say, you know, November after defending her featherweight championship. So with that being said, you know, I kind of spilled the beans there. I'm going to move up to the featherweight women's division. Again, the champion, as I said, Amanda Nunes. Top contenders, there's not as many. Uh, There's Felicia Spencer, who Amanda just fought before. Uh, And then there's also Megan Anderson, who she is supposed to fight on uh, Saturday, which is March 6th. So my verdict here is also going to be an and still. Um, until I see something from another women's fighter that makes me really say, holy, like the way that I, I do when I watch Amanda Nunes fight, I, I just think that she is too strong of a champion to be dethroned. With that being said, you know, any given Saturday, as it usually is in the UFC, anybody can win a fight. Anybody can, you know, land that one shot, maybe that Amanda didn't see, but more more times than not, nine times out of ten, I think that Amanda Nunes will defend her title, and I believe she'll end the year as still being a champ champ, bantamweight and featherweight, uh, and she'll beat Megan Anderson on Saturday. All right, so we've gone over the four women's divisions. Now we're going to move over to the men's divisions, and we're going to start in flyweight, which, you know, as I said, in the women's, it's the same weight. It's still 125. The current champion of the men's flyweight division is Davison Figueredo. And if you've ever watched him fight, you would know that he is an assassin when it comes to striking. Uh, He is a big man that, you know, cuts a lot of weight to get down to that 125, which has caused him some problems in the past. And I think that it can be, you know, a slight issue for him moving forward. It takes a lot out of you to do a huge weight cut the the way that some guys in the UFC do, including Davis and Figueredo. Uh, so for the top, some of the top contenders, we have Brandon Moreno, which I'll talk about a little more. He is the most recent guy to have fought um, Davison Figueredo. 
There's also Cody Garbrandt, who's been mentioned in the mix. Although he has yet to fight at flyweight, you know, he's usually been a bantamweight guy. He has decided to move down to try and challenge for that belt and, you know, become a contender. There's also Joseph Benavidez, who lost to Figueredo, who he's the one who actually had the belt before Figueredo did. And there's also Askar Askarov. So there's some nice contenders there. Uh, the one I want to talk about more than anyone is Brandon Moreno, though. So Brandon Moreno, you know, as I said, he fought Davison Figueredo at UFC 256, and it was an excellent fight. It honestly it challenged Zhang Wei Li versus Joanna and Jacek for potential fight of the year. I still don't think it passed it. I think the Joanna versus Zhang Wei Li fight was was berserk. It was crazy. It was for me, it was number one. But a close second was Davison Figueredo versus uh, Brandon Moreno. And it was such a good fight, so close, so tightly contested, that it ended up being scored a draw. Now, personally, when I looked at that fight, I could have seen them giving it to Brandon Moreno. Uh, I could have seen them also giving it to Davison Figueredo. So I think the draw was a good decision. And one interesting thing is, Davison Figueredo was actually deducted one point in that fight for, I, believe, I, I think it was a kick to the groin. Or it might have been an eye poke, but at one point he was deducted a point, which is the difference between a draw and him winning. So, But at any rate, it was a very, very tight fight. So tight, in fact, that these two were scheduled for an immediate rematch. And they're going to be fighting at UFC 263, which is supposed to be held in June. So they, those two are kind of locked up for the next title shot. And really excited to see how that one goes down. Uh, Cody Garbrandt, you know, he's dealt with the COVID-19 virus and he kind of had to put the UFC career on the back burner for a, a little bit. He's starting to work his way back into the mix now. But, you know, as it stands, the two biggest fights that are upcoming in the men's flyweight division are uh, the first one is actually Joseph Benavidez is going to be taking on Askar Askarov this Saturday at UFC 259, which is the huge card with three title fights. And we'll get to that in a little bit because, you know, it does have to do with a few of the champions. Um, so that fight is going to be pretty much a title eliminator. I think that depending on who wins, say Davison Figueredo beats Brandon Moreno, I think that the winner of this uh, Benavidez versus Askarov fight may, you know, have to fight uh, Moreno again or they may just get a title shot themselves. It'll be interesting to see how that gets worked out. But that is a huge fight. And then the next, you know, obviously huge fight is Davison Figueredo versus Brandon Moreno 2, which is supposed to be happening at UFC 263 in June. Now, for my verdict, I'm going to be going with Anne New in the UFC men's flyweight division. And I think it'll be Brandon Moreno. He showed me something in that last fight with Davison Figueredo that no one had really shown Figueredo before. Figueredo is a KO artist. He hits super hard, and he's used to just putting guys away. And his cardio, it was it was okay in the fight, but it wasn't stellar. And again, I think that has a little bit to do with the weight cutting. So I think that you know Brandon Moreno with a, a nice full camp, he's already fought Figueredo once. He'll have what it takes to figure out how to defeat this man, and I think that he'll win the belt in uh, in June when they fight again. And what could be really interesting is depending on how that second fight goes, you know, whoever, no matter who wins, it could potentially set up a trilogy fight, especially if Brandon Moreno wins, because he would be, you know, taking the belt from uh, Davison Figueredo for the first time. It would be really hard unless it was a just absolute 
clinic by Brandon Moreno to not give Figueredo a chance to you know, have an immediate rematch to then claim the belt back. All right, now we're going to move on up to the men's bantamweight division, which is 135 pounds, where the current champion is Pyotr Jan. And then in terms of top contenders, you have a short list, but it's a very, very good list. So you have at the top of the heap, Aljamain Sterling. And then right, right, right behind him, you have Corey Sanhagen, who has been on an absolute tear since he lost to Aljamain Sterling by a rear naked choke. Uh, and then you also have Rob Font, who is in the mix as well. And he recently got a big win over Marlon Marais, who, unfortunately, because I do like you know Marlon Marais, seems like he's getting KO'd by everyone these days. And uh, Rob Font added his name to that list. So uh, in terms of my verdict for this division, you know, Pyotr Jan is a spectacular fighter. He has great striking. He looks super, super loose. There's been some videos that have been released from him in his training camp getting ready for his fight with Aljamain Sterling, which actually goes down this weekend at UFC 259, uh, Saturday, March 6th. So now for my verdict. Uh, I'm going to be going with yet another and new, and it's not actually going to be Aljamain Sterling as my and new champion by the end of 2021. Uh, I believe that it's going to be a very tight fight, close fight on Saturday between Pyotr Jan and Aljamain Sterling, but I do see Pyotr Jan getting a win. I think he'll win by decision. Uh, he is no slouch when it comes to the ground game and takedowns, and that is where Aljamain Sterling thrives. He is a jiu-jitsu black belt. He strangled Corey Sanhagen, you know, put him to sleep. So that's definitely his strength. And I believe that when he goes against someone who has very good takedown defense and is not bad off their back and not bad on the ground either, it may cause some problems for him. So I do see Pyotr Jan getting a win as much as I do like Aljamain Sterling. And then my prediction is later in 2021, uh, what will happen is Corey Sanhagen will actually get a title shot. And the reason being... You know, he did lose two, three fights ago to Aljamain Sterling, as I was just talking about, by a rear naked choke. After that, he went ahead and he knocked out Marlon Marais with a crazy, absolutely crazy head kick. And then he followed up that performance with another knockout over Frankie Edgar with a flying knee in the first round of their fight, which was recently. So he's been on an absolute tear. He looks great. And I think that when he gets his title shot, which he definitely deserves later in 2021, he'll pull out something spectacular and he'll be too much for Pyotr Jan to handle and he'll take the men's bantamweight belt. All right, now we're going to move on to the men's featherweight division, which is another division that has a couple absolute killers, some assassins at the top of the heap. Uh, and it starts with Alexander Volkanovsky, who is currently the champion of the 145ers. Shorter man, but definitely a big man for the featherweight division. Has very good use of kicks, which we saw in his two fights against Max Holloway. And do not sleep on his hands either because he will put you out with those as well. Uh, so Volkanowski, definitely a great champion. Do not sleep on him at all. Then when you look at the top contenders for the men's featherweight division, like I said, there's some straight killers. So you have Brian Ortega, who is lined up to have the next title shot. Uh... And then you also have Max Holloway, who I mentioned. He's fought two fights against Alexander Volkanovsky, both of which were losses. But a lot of people, you know, very controversial decisions on both occasions where a lot of people believe that Max Holloway won the second fight and was robbed in the decision. I'm kind of in the, in the camp that believes that the first fight, 
you know, I give that one to Volkanovski. I do think he did enough to win that fight. The second fight, though, I am definitely with the people that think that Max Holloway got robbed. I think he won the fight. But at the end of the day, it's kind of like in other sports. You you can't rely on the referee. If you want it to be out of their hands, uh, you have to do what you have to do to put it out of their hands. Don't even make them be a factor. And one way to do that is to just dominate or to knock the person unconscious or strangle them or put them in a submission. Unfortunately, you know, Max Holloway didn't do any of those things. He left it in the hands of the judges. And, you know, they did what they sometimes do, which is make a mistake. In my opinion, at least, that is. So Max Holloway, another very, very strong contender. And then you have my favorite in the division for the featherweights is Zabit Magomed Sharipov who has been on an absolute tear since he's entered the UFC. So when you look at these contenders, you know, they all bring something different to the table. When it comes to Brian Ortega, Brian Ortega looked absolutely amazing in his last fight against uh, Chen Sung Jun, who is the Korean zombie. They have fought before and, you know, Brian Ortega, I believe he won that fight as well. But in his previous fights, there's just something that looked different about Brian Ortega. He also cut his hair off. So it's kind of like people were saying it's kind of like a rebirth. And he just looked like he was in the absolute zone when he fought uh, the Korean zombie a second time. And I think that having such a strong performance is what lined him up for his title shot that he's going to have against Alexander Volkanovsky later in the year. When it comes to Max Holloway, another guy who, like I mentioned, you know, some people when they lose, especially in fighting... It tells a lot about their character and what kind of fighter they are when you watch how they bounce back in their subsequent fights. So what happened with Max Holloway, as I mentioned, was very devastating. The first fight, you know, he lost a close decision. I'm sure he thought he won it. Uh, I personally don't, but it was close enough that if you were that person, you definitely think that you won it. And then you move on to the second fight against Alexander Volkanovsky. The first fight, he took your belt. This is a fight to take it back. And you, along with most of the world, think that you did do enough to take your belt back. But the judges say, nah, -uh. you know, we're leaving with Volkanovski. He won in a close decision. So to a lot of people, that would be very, very devastating. But what did Max Holloway do? He went back, he kept training. And then he fought Calvin Cater, who has been, you know, touted as one of the best boxers in the UFC, period. You know, he's got great hands, very good striker. And Max Holloway goes in and sets a ton of records against Calvin Cater. Striking records for most strikes thrown, most significant strikes thrown and landed, uh, most strikes in a round, all this and that. He, he absolutely just put on a five-round clinic on a guy who was considered to be, you know, knocking on the door of being in this list of contenders. Had he beat Max Holloway, he probably would have replaced him in this list of top contenders. So, you know, Calvin Cater is a very, very strong fighter. And Max Holloway made him look like he was an absolute nobody in the octagon. So I really like what Max Holloway brings to the table. He's a strong contender. Now, for my verdict, I'm going to go with Anne New. Uh, and the reason being is, you know, Alex Volkanovsky, he did beat Max Holloway twice. Looked very good doing it. But the fights were so, so close. Volkanovski hasn't fought since that last Max Holloway fight. Max Holloway has. And when he fought, he looked like a different fighter than when he fought Volkanovski. Granted, you know, he fought a different fighter than Volkanovski. Maybe Volkanovski would have made Holloway look the same. But from what I saw, 
Max Holloway looks like a different fighter, a much improved fighter. So I think that either Max Holloway or Zabit uh, Magomed Sharipov will be the ones to take the belt. Uh, I do like the, the growth I've seen from Brian Ortega, but something inside me just says that Volkanovski will be able to defend the belt uh, against Ortega. And then I think that what would be really interesting would be if Max Holloway fought Zabit to be next in line for a title shot because both of those guys are absolute killers. And uh, I think that either one of them, you know, given the opportunity, could potentially uh, take the belt from uh, Alexander Volkanovsky. All right, moving on up to the men's lightweight division. So currently, uh, so I'll just start off by saying this is probably, I would say, my favorite division in the sport. Uh, the names in this division are just absolute assassins. Is a lot. This is a, It's very complicated how it's going to go down, and uh, we're going to get into it. So, as it stands, for those who don't know, the champion of the lightweights is Khabib Nurmagomedov. So Khabib, he recently fought uh, Dustin Poirier. You know, close to the end of 2020, to defend his title and move to 29 and 0, uh, widely considered to be the greatest of all time in terms of you know men's uh, UFC. After that fight, moved ahead of John Jones on the pound-for-pound pound list in terms of best male fighters. Khabib is an absolute legend, but he did choose to retire after the death of his father. You know, he promised his mother that he wouldn't fight again. Dana White has tried to, you know, coax him out of retirement. And what a lot of people believe is that had Conor McGregor beat Dustin Poirier uh, at UFC 257... That would have been the only thing that could have pulled Khabib out of retirement. That one last huge payday before you go off into the sunset. Uh, but it's very hard to set up a fight where Conor McGregor fights Khabib now for the championship after he just lost. Because there's a huge list of guys that you have to put ahead of Conor McGregor after that loss. Including Dustin Poirier. But in terms of who Khabib would come out of retirement to fight... I think that McGregor was the only name big enough to do so. Because Khabib did say to Dana, you know, well, I'll watch 257. Because uh, there was another huge lightweight fight on that card between Michael Chandler, who was a newcomer from Bellator, who took on uh, Dan Hooker, who was another strong lightweight contender. So, for the purposes of this, uh, of this segment, I'm going to be ruling out Khabib Nurmagomedov as the champion. Uh, we're going to say that he does stay retired. You know, none of the names that I'm going to list are big enough to pull him out of retirement. So we're going to be having an and new. But the question is, okay, and new, but who? And I did rhyme that on purpose. So you have a very, very strong list of names. So I mentioned Conor McGregor. Uh, he is he's still a contender because he has such a huge name and we do know what he's capable of. But he's closer to the bottom of this list that I'm about to name. In terms of the guys that are really, really up there and I think can challenge for that title spot, you have Michael Chandler, who had a crazy knockout over Dan Hooker, as I just mentioned, in his UFC debut. You also have Justin Gaethje, who most recently fought for the title and lost to Khabib. And it's it's tough. I feel like a lot of people are overlooking Justin Gaethje because he lost his last fight. But what you have to remember is, you know, everybody loses when they fight Khabib. He's 29-0. So I don't think you can hold that too, too much against him because Justin Gaethje in his previous few fights, he looked really, really strong and he was beating everybody. Uh, so Justin Gaethje is another strong contender. So you have Conor McGregor, Michael Chandler, Justin Gaethje. Then you have Charles Bronx Oliveira, who is one of, in my opinion, 
the scariest guys in the division because he is a very, very strong striker. But then if he gets you down to the ground where he's a Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt, watch out because he's going to be throwing arm bars, triangles, super dangerous off his back. I think that Charles Bronx is one of the most scary guys in the division. Then outside of that, you have the aforementioned Dustin Poirier, who most recently beat Conor McGregor. So it's a very, very stacked division. So I just gave you five names there. I'll throw in a sixth one, just kind of as an honorable mention. It's going to be Tony Ferguson, who most recently lost to Charles Bronx Oliveira. Uh, and he, he was dominated in that fight. But I will still throw him in, and I'll tell you why. So if we throw in Tony Ferguson into the mix, you have six names. And this is not something that I think has ever been done, or I don't even know, honestly, if it would make sense because of the way that MMA works and injuries. But I honestly think that there should be, not maybe not an official tournament, but almost like a bracketed tournament to find out who the lightweight champion should be. So the way I would do it is, you have six guys, you make three matchups. So you look at it and you say, okay, what makes sense? For me, what I would do is potentially, you know, if you can make it happen quickly while Khabib is still technically the champion before he vacates it fully, you have Dustin Poirier, who beat Conor McGregor. You know, he's the number one contender, so he should have, for sure, have that right to have uh, a crack at being the top guy. And I think you take him and you put him against Charles Bronx Oliveira, who I think is one of the most dangerous guys in the division, as I mentioned before. And I think you have those two guys fight for an interim belt, potentially, for the lightweight interim belt. Uh, Khabib step, is stepping away, potentially, so you have this interim title fight between Poirier and Charles Bronx. After that, I think a strong matchup would be Justin Gaethje, who, you know, he's still at the top of the heap. I believe he's ranked number two. You have him fight Michael Chandler, who is ranked number four, and that is another very, very strong fight as well. And then into the uh, into the last few guys, you have Conor McGregor. You set him up with Tony Ferguson. And it sucks because I like Tony Ferguson, but I feel like it's almost like a sacrificial lamb where he's a top kind of guy. He's on a down spell. But what it would do is it would hype the name of Conor McGregor back up. It would get his confidence back. And, you know, he wouldn't he definitely wouldn't get a title shot right after just beating Tony Ferguson. But it would put him back into that conversation where people would say, OK, he's still you know, he could still fight. He still got it. So you have those matchups. I think that what you would do is, you know, the winner of Dustin Poirier versus uh, Charles Bronx would say get the winner of Michael Chandler versus Justin Gaethje in a official, you know, lightweight championship fight. So you could potentially have Charles Bronx say he beats Dustin Poirier against Justin Gaethje or Michael Chandler. Either way you, you slice it, you have a very, very, very strong title shot. Uh, or title fight, excuse me. Then you can even take the losers. Maybe you take one of them and you fight them against Connor. That'd be a good opportunity for Poirier and Connor to get their trilogy fight. There's there's so many options, but I think that a good way to do it would be maybe not to pick two guys and just make it a title shot right away, especially with Khabib. We never know. Maybe he does come back. Who knows? But I think you make two guys, and I think the two best guys to fight for an interim strap is Poirier and Charles Bronx. And then you set up matchups with the other top guys and have them wait in the wings uh, to potentially fight for a, a actual you know, UFC title later down the line. Now, all of that to say, my verdict is, uh, you know, with Khabib out of the picture, like I said, I think that come the end of 2021, your UFC champion will be Charles Bronx Oliveira. 
I think if they set it up similar to how I said, I could see Charles Bronx beating Dustin Poirier. I think that would be a great fight. Both guys are super, super good. But I could see Charles Bronx winning that fight and then potentially having you know, Justin Gaethje versus Michael Chandler. I have no idea how that fight would go, but I would definitely want to see it. And then I would say that the winner of that fight maybe goes against Charles Bronx closer to the end of the year. And, uh, you know, I'm really high on Charles Bronx, so I think that he could beat anybody at this point. And, uh, but who knows? That's the nice thing about fighting. You never know until you see it. So this is just my prediction, but we'll see how it actually goes. But I'm going to go with and new Charles Bronx ends 2021 as the lightweight champion of the world. All right. So now we're going to move on to another division that I am a really big fan of as well. The welterweight division, which is 170 pounds for the men. So the current champion of welterweight is Kamaru Usman, the Nigerian nightmare. Uh, he's a very, very good fighter. He's spectacular in the clinch. Uh, a lot of people have slept on his striking. And then he went ahead against Colby Covington in his second to last fight and just put on a striking clinic against him. Uh, and a lot of people thought, you know, well, if, the, if it's going to be a stand-up game, Colby Covington probably can win. And I think that that got to Usman and he said, you know what? These guys think that I'm just a clinch artist and a takedown guy and I can't fight stand-up, uh, let me show you guys what I can do. And he put on a clinic, he broke Colby Covington's jaw, and uh, he knocked him out uh, close to the end of the fight. So you have Kamaru Usman as the champion. In the uh, welterweight division, you have a somewhat long list of contenders, and there's a few a few really, really good names. So we'll get into this list. So first name on the list, and the next guy that is lined up to have a title shot potentially, and I'll, and I'll get into this in a second, is Jorge Masvidal. So the reason I said potentially is that uh, recently, you know, Jorge was asked at a boxing match that he was attending um, how he's doing, you know, what's going on. And he said to the reporter that, oh, you know, I'm doing good. Um, you're the, one of the first people to hear this, but I just agreed to, you know, fight Kamaru Usman again in uh, September. Now I'll have a full camp and we're, we're going to fight again for the title. So that was all over, you know, MMA media. They quickly got a hold of it. Everyone was talking about it. And then about two hours later, Kamaru Usman's manager said, uh, no, that's not happening. Well, it might, but it, nothing's been agreed to yet. Uh, so that might happen, but it might not. So I'm not sure at this point what the case is. It sounds to me like it's going to happen, but Kamaru Usman's camp just hasn't maybe agreed to the full terms yet. But at any rate, I do think that that makes sense. Uh, the last title fight for the welterweights was Kamaru Usman versus Masvidal. It was supposed to be Kamaru Usman versus Gilbert Burns. But then uh, Gilbert Burns had to drop out last minute for uh, COVID reasons. And then, you know, Masvidal stepped in. Six days notice. He took the fight and he lost. But a lot of people are saying, well, you know, he still looked good despite it being six days notice. How would he look if he had a full camp? So that's that's a question that's on a lot of people's minds. Continuing on the list, you have Colby Covington, who is a strong, very, very strong contender who recently just beat the absolute hell out of Tyron Woodley, who used to be the champion of welterweights. Uh, you have Gilbert Burns on the list as well, who, my mistake, I said earlier that the last title fight was between Jorge Masvidal and Kamaru Usman. The last title fight was actually between Gilbert Burns and Kamaru Usman. Uh, so Burns got his title shot after... The, uh, the one he was supposed to get that Masvidal stepped in for. Kamaru Usman turned around, you know, fought Gilbert Burns this time, and he beat him as well. Got a knockout. Uh, so Gilbert Burns, though, he is a strong fighter. Used to be teammates with Kamaru Usman. Uh, moving down the list, you have Leon Edwards, who is scheduled to fight 
not this Saturday, but next Saturday uh, against Bilal Muhammad. It was supposed to be against Kamzat Chemaev, who is one of the biggest up-and-coming stars in the welterweight division. We'll talk about why and what's going on with Kamzat in a second. Uh, but you do have Leon Edwards, and then, as I just said, you know Bilal Muhammad also on that list. Uh, Michael Chiesa, who looked very good in his last fight against Neil Magny, he makes the list as well. And then you have Jeff Hands of Steel, Neil, to round it out. So all of those guys, if you, when I looked at their last few fights and how they look right now, I could see all of them you know, potentially challenging and being contenders for a welterweight title. Now, for the verdict. This one was tough, but I'm going to go with Anne New. And I'll tell you who and, and why. So I'm going to go with Jorge Masvidal. I think that when they fight in, it's supposed to be September, I believe is what Masvidal said. But again, you know, it has been confirmed by um, Kamaru Usman's camp, so we're not exactly sure. But if that fight does go down in September as... Um, as Masvidal said it will, and he has a full camp, there's something that is that is intriguing me about what, a couple things that he said and that are that are true. He said that, you know, I broke his nose and I, I damaged his face on six days' notice. Imagine what I can do with six months' notice. And I thought about it, and, you know, the trajectory that Jorge Masvidal is on, he is he's just been dominating people ever since he started. He lost a couple fights by decision, and then he said to himself, you know, I, why don't I just start knocking these people out? And he he's done it. He's knocked out Darren Till. He's got some big knockouts on his resume. And I think that with a full camp, you know, I think that Masvidal has what it takes to beat Usman in the striking game. Now, if Usman gets his hands on Masvidal, that can turn this whole thing into a different story because Usman is very good at grappling and he's a bigger man than Masvidal is. So I think he could control him. But I do predict Masvidal beating Usman in September. Uh, and then what would be really interesting about that is that if Usman loses and it's somewhat close, they could potentially set up a trilogy uh, immediate rematch early in 2022 to see uh, if that belt is going to change hands once again. All right, so moving on up to the men's middleweight division, uh, the current champion there is Israel Adesanya, you know, the last style bender. And for me, this one, is it's somewhat easy. I'm going to be going with and still. And I'll, I'll tell you that before I even rattle off the list of contenders. And the reason being, every name I'm about to mention to you, uh, he's already beat. And while I'm, I'm sure I've said it before in this episode and previous episodes, in sports in general and especially in fighting, you know, it's, it's any given Saturday. Anybody can win any fight. The bigger up you get in the divisions, especially where guys have crazy power and women have crazy power. All it can take at sometimes is one shot uh, to hit the exact right spot and someone can go out. Or, you know, you catch someone in ways that you, you didn't think they could and they didn't think you could. So anything anything can happen. But and the other thing that I want to say is guys always improve. So, yeah, maybe you beat a guy in the past, but he may he may improve. Where it gets a little different with Israel Adesanya is, yes, he he's beat all the guys I'm going to mention. And, yes, they probably improved. But he's improving at such a rapid pace as well. And from win to win, you know, he's 19-0 in the U- in the, in total. And I think he's 6-0 or 7-0 in the UFC. Uh, he, he's just like very, very strong. And he's improved every fight. And he showed more sophisticated striking. Uh, he showed good takedown defense. He's, he's showed everything that you want to see from a middleweight champion. Now, I'm going to list off these top contenders. So you have Robert Whitaker, who he beat to take the belt. Yeah, Paulo Costa, which was his most recent title defense. 
you have Darren Till as well, uh, who he, he beat. And you have Marvin Vittori. Now, the one name, I, I did make a mistake. I said he's beat all these guys. He hasn't beat Jared Cannonier, who is the third-ranked middleweight in the world. But the thing is, he he Jared Cannonier lost to Robert Whitaker, and it didn't look super close. Robert Whitaker looked much, much better. And when you look back at Adesanya versus Whitaker, Adesanya looked much better than Whitaker. So it doesn't always work like that where A beats B, B beats C. So A should beat C, you know, by a lot. But something about the way that those fights went out makes me think that Adesanya would have a very, very easy time against, maybe not easy, but he would have his way with Jared Cannonier. So everyone on that list of uh, middleweight contenders to me doesn't seem to have what it takes to beat Adesanya. He's such a good striker. He uses his range and kicks so well. He's hard to hit as well. Very good head movement. So the verdict for the middleweight division, I'm going to be going with Ann Still. I think Adesanya, you know, he, he's going to get to uh, fight for the light heavyweight championship, which I'm going to get to uh, when I talk about light heavyweight, which is next. And that's going to be going down this Saturday. So he does have a chance to become a two-weight uh, champion. But the thing is, you know, even if he is to lose to... Uh, Jan Blahovic, he would still retain his middleweight championship. And what it currently looks like in the middleweight division for who gets the next crack is Robert Whitaker is scheduled to fight Paulo Costa later in the year. And I think that, you know, since that is one versus two in terms of contenders, I think the winner of that fight will probably get another crack at Adesanya. But as I said, I still don't see either of those men beating Adesanya. And especially when it comes to Paulo Costa, you know, I always, I always mention that people can make improvements and you can make strides between fights, but Paulo Costa and Adesanya just fought so recently, so there's only going to be so much growth in Paulo Costa from now until when he fights, if he is to fight Adesanya next, if he beats uh, Robert Whitaker. So for me, I'm going to go with Ann Still. I think he takes care of the winner of Costa Whitaker and beats them handedly. Alright, so now we get interesting. Moving on up to the UFC men's light heavyweight division. So the current champion, as I was just saying, uh, Jan Blahovich. This title was previously held by John Jones, but he vacated the title to move up to heavyweight. Uh, a lot of people think that you know he didn't just vacate it to move up to heavyweight, but he actually probably had to because he was inactive for so long. So he had to kind of make some kind of move, and I think moving up to heavyweight, you know, saves face, and it also does provide him with. Uh, a chance to make some big money with some big fights. It's it's always a big for a fighter when they move up a weight class. So, as I said, you know, current champion Jan Blahovic, he got the title when it was vacant, uh, fighting against Dominic Reyes for the championship. Who Dominic Reyes was the last one to fight John Jones at light heavyweight. Uh, very very good fight, close fight, but he lost by decision. And uh, Jan Blahovic, you know, he showed that Polish power that he's always talking about. And he knocked out Dominic Reyes in spectacular fashion to take the belt. So he is a very, very strong uh, champion. Hasn't defended the title yet. And it's going to be interesting because his first title defense is going to come in the form of a super fight. Not necessarily his super fight because usually you know, the super fight is looked at for the person who is moving up. Potentially to become a two-weight champion. So even if John Blahovich wins, he won't get the middleweight title because this isn't a middleweight fight. I haven't watched too, too much of Jan Blahovich to know if he's a good grappler or not, if he's good wrestling. But one thing I do know, again, like I said, he's got that Polish power. Uh, he's got a hell of a uh, overhand. 
where he can just put pretty much anyone in the division to sleep with that shot. So now I'm going to go over the top contenders. So as I said, you have Israel Adesanya, who's going to fight for this belt on Saturday, March 6th. You also have Tiago Santos. Uh, you have Glover Teixeira, who beat Tiago Santos recently. Uh, Dominic Reyes, who lost to John Blahovich for the belt. And you have Alexander Rakic as well. So there's a bunch of really, really good names at the top of the heap. Uh, when it comes to my verdict, uh, call me fantastical, but I'm going to go with Anu. I'm going to give the title to Israel Adesanya. Uh, there's just something about him that makes him seem unbeatable to me. Uh, I think that he'll retain his middleweight belt, like I said, later in the year when he beats you know, Whitaker or Costa, move back down to 185. But I do think that he'll be able to get it done at UFC 259 and beat Jan Blahovich. I think that what makes Jan Blahovich really good, obviously, is his power, his striking. And one thing that Stylebender is really good at is managing distance. So if he can do that and you know keep Blahovich at bay, use his distance striking, which he does so well, and piece him up, potentially you know beat up his front leg, compromise his mobility, I think that Adesanya could win this fight. But what makes it super interesting is that all it takes for Jan is one clean shot. So if you're Israel Adesanya, you know, you're using all that head movement, you're using your distance as best as you can, which he does so well, but all it takes is one shot from that Polish power to put you to sleep. So interesting to see, but my prediction, my verdict, I'm going to go with and new Israel Adesanya ends 2021 with two belts. And now last but not least, we have the men's heavyweight division Last but definitely not least, this is another stack division. There's a lot of good divisions in the UFC if you haven't noticed. So the champion of the heavyweights is currently Stipe Miocic. Uh, he's coming off a trilogy fight against Daniel Cormier where he got the better of him for the second time in a row. Uh, the first trilogy fight, you know, he was knocked out by DC, lost his belt. And at that point, I believe DC was actually a champ champ as well of light heavyweight and heavyweight, which uh, he's the only guy to have ever done that. Um... But then he came back, you know, beat DC, took his belt back. Then they fought a third time, and he won that as well. So Stipe Miocic, you know, undisputed UFC heavyweight champ, and he is a fantastic champion. Very good hands. Uh, he's shown everything you'd want to see from a UFC champion. Now, when we get down to this list of top contenders, it is an assassin's row. So you have Francis Ngannou, who, in my opinion, you know, in, in the time that I've been watching professional fighting whether it be boxing, MMA, to me, from what I've seen with my own eyes live, Francis Ngannou hits harder than anybody I've ever seen. His overhands put people into orbit. His uppercuts are insane. If you need any, uh, if you need a reference, go to YouTube and type in Francis Ngannou versus Alistair Overeem. He sent Alistair Overeem's chin into the stratosphere, literally. Like it was, it was brutal. So Francis Ngannou, and he has the next title shot. You know, he's fought Stipe before, lost to Stipe, uh, but he's going to get another crack at him uh, on March 27th, I believe, UFC 260. So super excited for that. He is the top contender. After that, you know, something I've talked about on the podcast before, Dana White has confirmed that John Jones, you know, he, as I said earlier, he moved up to heavyweight. Dana White confirmed that John Jones will be receiving the next title shot after this Stipe Miocic versus Francis Ngannou fight. So depending on who wins, whether it's Francis, whether it's Stipe, uh, Dana White has said that John Jones will get the next title shot. 
One little tidbit on that that I think could be a little interesting. I'm not sure if he would get a shot if, say, Francis beat Stipe and it was close. It would be really hard to justify not giving Stipe an immediate rematch to get his belt back and giving another guy a title shot uh, before giving Stipe another shot. But assuming Stipe is to win against Francis, John Jones would be next on the docket. After that, you have Derek Lewis, who had a huge win uh, by knockout over Curtis Blades. Uh, you have Cyril Gagne as well, who had a, a good fight recently against uh, Jarzinho Rosenstrike. And then, like I said, you have Curtis Blades as well. And just for fun, you know, we can throw in Jarzinho Rosenstrike into the mix, but I think he's more so on the outside looking in after losing uh, handedly by decision to Cyril Gagne. So in that list I just named, let's let's take a look at this list again. So we have, in my opinion, the hardest hitter I've ever seen in combat sports, Francis Ngannou. Then you have arguably the number one pound-for-pound men's fighter in mixed martial arts, which is John Jones. He's currently ranked number two. Some people say he's above Khabib. I'm not really sure, but he's he's definitely top two in terms of pound-for-pound fighters in men's fighting. Then you have Derek Lewis, who has the most knockouts in heavyweight history. Then you have Curtis Blades, who has the most takedowns in UFC heavyweight history. And then you also have Cyril Gagne, who is a up-and-coming star and is undefeated. So that is an absolute list of assassins, as I said earlier. But when it comes to my verdict, I'm going to say, and still... Despite all of that talent, I think that Stipe Miocic will end 2021 with the belt. Uh, I think he'll beat Francis Ngannou on March 27th for the second time, take care of business. And then I think that what will happen is he'll fight John Jones and it's going to be crazy hype. But I think he'll win that fight as well. Uh, John Jones has been out of the game for a little while and Stipe Miocic has not been. Stipe Miocic has always had razor focus and uh, he's just a very good technical fighter. And I think that he has what it takes to beat John Jones. Now, after that, it gets interesting because, you know, who gets the next shot? Is it Francis? Is it John again? Where does Derek Lewis fit into the mix? But I think that with those two fights, I think that that'll take us out of uh, 2021. And, you know, to be honest, usually Stipe only fights once a year anyway. So we might only get the one fight uh, against Francis Ngannou. And maybe the fight against John Jones is early 2022. But at any rate, I'm going to go with, and still, Stipe Miocic retains his heavyweight title for the duration of 2021. Alright ladies and gentlemen, so that wraps it up. We went over every men's division, every women's division. I gave you my and new and still, told you who the champ is, gave you the contenders. Uh, I hope that this was an informational, you know, educational episode for you that, for you guys that don't watch as much MMA. Uh, honestly, for myself, it, it's even a learning experience because... I'm not the biggest MMA guy. I'm just starting to get into it. I've been into it for about a year now. So doing these kind of episodes is really fun for me as well because I get to look more into the history of these guys. I watch film on them, see what they do well, what they don't do well. And, you know, it makes watching the fights that much more enjoyable for me. So I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. If you're watching on YouTube, make sure you go into the comments section. Let me know what you agreed with. Also, let me know what you disagreed with. Do you think that I got it right? Who do you think will be a champion that I said wouldn't be? And who do you think won't be a champion that I said would be? So let me know in the comments if you're on YouTube. Make sure you hit that like button and subscribe. If you're on any other platform, just make sure you subscribe to the channel so you never miss a beat. Uh, we will be coming out with an NFL-themed episode on Thursday, so two days from now. Uh, kind of going over free agency and what I think is going to be happening in NFL free agency, which starts very soon. 
So make sure you subscribe on whatever platform you're on. Uh, but other than that, you know, thank you very much for tuning in. I really appreciate the love, really appreciate the support. And it's all love to everybody that's rocking with me. So with that being said, I'm out. Peace. Yeah. This be a life, no gimmick.